Hello and welcome to the M17 Podcast. Tonight we're recording straight after the Ludogorets game and I'm joined by Glenn. Yo. I'm joined by Eddie. Hello. How are we both doing, boys? Not bad, not bad. Um, Soon come out of lockdown. Two good results, innit? What do you say, Glenn? Soon come out of lockdown. Oh, yeah. To all our northern listeners, all our northern brothers and sisters, including Cosmo right now, Mm. Um, <laughs> I'm in a tier three situation. Yeah, good. Oi, we eating that good, good uh, tier two grit. I don't know oh, about the rest happy. of the man, but yeah, you're eating that that chicken hunters. Uh, what, what is what is that dish? Chicken Hunter hunters. Chicken. I think it's barbecue chicken and Hunter, cheese or something. Yeah, who, who eats chicken and, and cheese? That's why I haven't memorized that meal. That <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait. Who eats disgrace. barbecue sauce and cheese? Barbecue yeah, that's a that's cheese. that's a wait. big question. Yeah, it just, sounds like, well. it just sounds like it's going to upset your tummy, man. No, I, I think if you've if you've ordered a barbecue pizza, you've you've sunk into some depths of depravity that you don't want to be. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, well, barbecue it's pizza, not pizza. Barbecue pizza alongside some other things from uh, some rep for from some big pizza companies. It, it ain't pizza. It ain't mm. pizza. That's true, and I actually think that's a. Pretty good segue to what is uh, a very sad topic. Um, obviously, Diego Maradona uh, passed. Is that a good segue? That's not that. I've just done a partridge there. That's not a good segue. At all. <laughs> my my thought, my thought, Diego. My thought process was um, Napoli, home yeah, of pizza, uh, and Maradona. But it actually, <laughs> feels very wrong uh, trivializing Maradona's death in that way. <laughs> Especially with the fact that I was going to say that, um, yeah, we were talking about this off air. And um, yeah, the, the news of his death really affected me. Um, I know, Glenn, you were saying that you weren't, you weren't such a fan of Maradona. I think we'll get into that in a bit. Yeah, Eddie, I think you're a bit closer to my position. But I was trying to think why it affected me so much. Because to give a bit of context, we're all 23, 24 years old. We never saw Maradona on the pitch. We only heard tales of Maradona. And quite often, I think the first time I was ever exposed to Maradona was through the hand of God. So I think when I was a kid, I hated him. But um, <laughs> as, as I learned a bit more about him, I, you know, I grew to really admire him. And, you know, for me, like, one of the first things that you learn in football when you're a footballer is uh, the Maradona turn. I don't know if you guys learn it like that, but I remember that was the first skill I ever learned. So there was always this kind of like, he was always present like in the patchwork of football as like this sort of almost godlike figure. And then when you when you get a bit older and you learn about his flaws, and I don't know, I, I, I just I had a huge admiration for the guy. Um, yeah, Eddie, you were saying how you think one of the reasons it's so poignant is because it's like pretty much the epitome of a tragic story, really. Mm, yeah. So I think, yeah, like we were saying off air, um, much like the Greek tragedies um, that were, you know, sp- spoken of or, or, or dreamt of up in the, in the Iliad and the Odyssey um, and stories of, uh, of, of Icarus flying too close to the sun, um, Diego Maradona's story um, is very, it's, it's almost like a, it's like, it's like a very poetic and deeply tragic story of, of football and how, 
the excess of football can, um, you know, can poison can poison people who who fly too close to the sun. Um, we speak of Maradona, um, obviously before he passed away, in quite a similar way to uh, uh, Gaza, um, and how Gaza was such a just a, a brilliant footballer uh, with with God given talent. Um, and much like Maradona, um, things just go sideways um, with what comes with an excess of money, resources um, and time. Um, because, you know, there's not much you can do once you've retired uh, as a footballer. Um, and especially in that time uh, where there wasn't the opportunity to write for for magazines like the Athletic, uh, for organisations like the Athletic, or even online for like even even uh, rags like the Sun, um, there are there are footballers that have been given the opportunity to do things with their time after they retired. Um, with Maradona, obviously, with his illustrious career as a as a footballer at Napoli in Argentina, um, he was at the height of football. He, you know, when we were growing up, like you said, Cosmo, he's, he, he was in the fabric of, of what football meant. Um, when people talk about the greatest footballers of all time before, obviously, the advent of, of Ronaldo and Messi both entering the scene, it was Pelé and Maradona. Mm-hmm. And as kids, when we were kids, we would still say Pelé and Maradona despite yeah, never so watching true. them play. We'd ne- <laughs> we wouldn't talk about Messi. Or, we wouldn't even talk about Ronaldinho. And we grew up with Ronaldinho, even though he yeah. would have been one of our favourite players at the time. Zidane as well. In, exactly. But we would always say, oh, it's Maradona or Pele. We never saw either of them play a minute of football, but that's how much they were embedded in the fabric of football. And I think it's it's such a shame because he, again, he was he's only 60 years old. <laughs> to, put that into, to put that into context, um, my dad's only, he's, he's 54. So he's six years older than my dad. And um, to think that there's so much you can do between even the years of 60 and 90, you've got so much living to do in terms of your later life. You know, there's so many, so many things come to you in your later life with, with an extended family or with, with, with just different opportunities in order to pass on uh, what you've learned in this life onto the people that you know. And I think, yeah, it's a tragic loss for football because um, despite him not really being in, involved in football as much um, now, he's still very much a, a treasure uh, for a lot of people. And like a lot of people said um, following the, the wake of his death, um, if you go to Argentina and ask who's the greatest player of all time, they won't say Messi, they'll say Maradona. Mm, yeah, and I think if anyone wants to explore sort of the the story of Maradona more in depth um I'd recommend Asif Kapadia's uh documentary on him believe believe it's just called Maradona mm-hmm. not exactly sure um just a, a wonderful portrayal of like the excess of celebrity that you mentioned and tells the story of a guy who was almost trapped by his talent um yeah very very interesting and also it was a wonderful um, sort of obituary, I guess, by his teammate, um, Jorge Valdano, who is probably one of the best football writers about. Um, he writes in Spanish primarily, 
uh, the Guardian occasionally translate him like for for moments like today. And yeah, he he kind of said the same thing. Um, there was Diego the man, and then there was like Maradona, the legend. Um, and you know, he said tragically that that those were the two forces that sort of pulled him apart and um, led to his demise. But yeah, um, obviously he played one sort of game for Tottenham Hotspur, um, a friendly in Aussie Alv, uh, Ardiez's testimonial um, against Inter Milan. So yeah, we can we can uh, share that picture for his, for what it's worth. Um, yeah, we can say that he played yeah. on uh, at White Hart Lane. Exactly. So. Um, Glenn, I don't know if you want to come in or should we should we move to Luda Goretz? I'm, I'm I'm quite happy to talk about. <clears throat> oh, I think we've lost Glenn temporarily. <laughs> um, okay, we've yeah. lost Glenn. <laughs> Glenn's shaking his head. We can't hear him. Um, but yeah. Um, I think we'll move on because yeah. If you want to check, if you want to explore this story, um, explore Diego Maradona's life in more depth. Read the Jorge Valdano piece. Um, watch the Asif Kapadia's f- uh, film if you have the time. But yeah, um, rest in peace to him. An absolute legend. And uh, yeah, shall we say Tottenham legend as well? Sneak yeah. that one in there. Yeah. 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 One game wonder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's move on. Right. <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to Ludogorets. Um, yeah, you know, on this pod, at times we've been like, "Oh, it's another game in the Europa League. It's a drag." But I really enjoyed that. Uh, what did you guys think? Uh, probably in one word, professional. In terms of the the performance, it was. But prior to the game, Mourinho said. Something that was like so very obviously um, like an indication of where we are as a, as a squad and as a team and what he expects. He said that the only problems that we should have um, are problems that Ludogorets cause. Uh, we shouldn't have any problem beating them unless they cause us problems because we should be able to beat them. And that is where we are as a team. And that's the level of football that Mourinho wants his team to to have um and we were very professional um we dipped a little bit in the second half to be expected when you're so comfortable and you have almost 80 percent of the the possession um at that point you kind of think well you know it's a it's a given that we're going to get the result but Mourinho wants more from his team and he got more um and yeah I think professional and the best thing about it was that we managed to make 10 changes and the team looked comfortable um and we managed to um to blood some of our some of our starlets who obviously we were really excited to see the likes of uh scarlet um with the likes of white um seeing more minutes for clark um and a rare um appearance from whiteman mm. yeah I think that's his not rare. I think that's his first time ever appearing in a Tottenham shirt. Oh, like yeah, well, there you the, go then. <laughs> feels like he's been in the squad for for years. Yeah, every FIFA he man, he's just in there. I'm, I'm never yeah. going to play you, but you're there. He ended up be- becoming like a reasonably prominent figure in the documentary. I think he's just like quite good for team morale. I'd be curious to earn how much uh, to to know how much money he earns because what a life. 
like fourth nice, choice goalkeeper at Tottenham, <laughs> probably earning way more than you could in like, I don't know, even if you were like a stockbroker or something mm-hmm. and just going in and just chilling as, not chilling, but training as a Premier League footballer every every day. I mean, that would, that would be great. I would love that. Um, just to sum up what you said about the professionalism, I've got a tweet here, the XG philosophy, and it says Spurs' XG was 3.58 and they scored four goals, which is pretty unheard of. So like, get your XG like as, as close to the scoreline as that. That's that's pretty special, to be honest. And Ludogorets, zero goals, 0.00 XG, which I've never seen in my life. I've never, I've never seen, seen that, seen that I was, ever. I was ready for like 0. 0.1 or something because they had a corner or 0.05 or something. They had one corner for the whole yeah. game. I think yeah. that they only had two touches in our heart, in our box. Yeah, ridiculous. But I just, I just think it was a testament to the way that we took the game seriously from the off. Um, in these sorts of games, you can <clears throat> sort of take your foot off the pedal from the start, um, sort of take it as a bit of a given that we're, we're going into this game, the better team, and we're going to win. Um, I think that showing the early goals and the early sort of intensity that we did was important. Um, I think that sort of wardens off any sort of challenge from a, a lesser team. Uh, I think that's going to be really important in every single Europa game from now on, um, even against a team like Stoke in the uh, Carling Cup that we have coming up. I think it's going to be really important that we just go into the first 30, maybe even just 20 minutes and just absolutely smash them. Press high. Don't let them get out of their own half. And I think that's a testament, again, to the professionalism that we showed in the first half. And always good bringing on young players, seeing some new faces. Um, no another clean sheet. Uh, Jack Tanganga's back. Um, he won pretty much every single aerial duel that I saw him, saw him in. No mistakes. No injuries. No injuries that we know of. Um but yeah, I just thought it was a really, really good performance. Um, exactly what we needed going into the final two games uh, in the Europa League, which will be so important because finishing top of the group, we don't want to find a team like Real Madrid or mm. another yeah. team like that and yeah. dropping into uh, the Europa League and then having to f- play against a team like that is just going to that would be a nightmare. So finishing top is of paramount importance, I think. I thought in the first half, uh, Tonji and Dombele was brilliant, but that's to be expected against a team like Ludogorets. Um, I think perhaps more interestingly for for our listeners was the the performances of maybe our more fringe players. One of them being Deli Ali, which is the first time <laughs> yeah. that's ever that's first time I've referred to Deli Ali as a fringe player, and that feels really surreal. But he looked on it. He looked on it. He was diving into tackles. Um, Look sharp. Um, sometimes his end product wasn't great, but that's to be expected when you when you're not been in the team for a while. But then he does brilliant to to um, pull the ball uh, back for Vinicius, and Vinicius was great as well. Like he got two goals, but apart from that, like his hold up play was brilliant. Um, feels like finally we have a proper backup striker for Harry Kane. Yeah, I think. Um... 
the 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 great thing about this performance and it would have been we would have lost this is um that if the game didn't go ahead the players who are desperate for for game time would have had no opportunity to um give a good account of themselves players like Deli Ali um uh, Mora even players like Winks um they des- and Sanchez um play- these these types of players they desperately need to perform well in these games to give Mourinho even more of a headache we've got a good squad now um but the worst thing that we could do to this squad is um you know not give everyone an opportunity to fight for those positions and i think um it speaks to Mourinho that it speaks it speaks to a testament that when we lost to Antwerp and we made those, I think it was 10 changes or maybe a full 11 change. No, 10, because there, um, there was one, I can't remember if it was in Dombele or someone else who started that game. Um, when we made those 10 changes and we, we lost, uh, you know, there's, there's the, a great shame and, and possibly a situation where Mourinho says, that's it. Like I'm, I'm gonna play um, as strong a side as I can play in every game that I can, uh, and only rest if absolutely necessary. Um, but um, you know, a game against the Lillegorets, arguably, you know, well, not arguably, definitely the worst team in our group. Um, they're the only team with zero points. Um, so, and everyone else going into the match had six points each. So it's fair to say they've been the whipping boys. Um, I think the opportunity for the likes of uh, Vinicius, uh, for Sanchez, for Delhi, um, for Winks, um, to really push for that starting for that starting position um, is super super important. Um, and yeah, they played really really well in that first half. Um, and I think yeah, Delhi's back to what he's doing best. I know Owen Owen Hargreaves described it as. Um, Delhi playing with a chip on his shoulder. Um, I don't know if that is um, a little, a bit of a, a little bit of a simplification of his game. Playing with a little bit of grit, which I'd I'd prefer to say, just playing with a little bit of an edge, um, just getting stuck in. Um, potentially, you know, doing a couple of naughty things, but within the remits of a of a contested game. And I think that's what he needs back in his game um, because he just looked like he was too. Uh, he was too comfortable in, in given, surrendering possession of the ball in previous games. And it didn't look like that at all today. He looks like he was hungry. And yeah, he was unlucky to not score, um, uh, but he did brilliantly to put it back for Vinicius. And that just shows that how, as a team, we're not playing as individuals. And I think it's a very much a team effort. Really, really happy for Delhi to be honest. Glenn, yeah. do you want to round us off on Ludogorets? Because we've got a lot to cover in this episode. Yeah, I think I, w- I wanted to kind of just finish off on Deli Ali. I think that's probably probably maybe a little point about Vinicius as well. But I think Deli Ali, he is going to give the ball away. That that's that's a given. Like the things that he does are trying different things to sort of open up a defense. Um, he's going to give the ball away. But before he was just comfortable in giving the ball away and then not wanting it back enough. He was sort of comfortable giving it away and then sort of doing a half half run and press and then they would clear it. It'd be fine. And I don't think that's what was good about his game when he was at his best. 
I think it was the hunger and desire to, if it didn't work, I'm getting that back and I'm going to win it back. And then sort of that did sometimes come into where he so he would bobble off him or it would like one two off a defender and then he'd and then he'd score a goal or get an assist. But I think that used to speak to his attitude in winning the ball back. Um also pulled back the ball for Vinicius, um, who I thought was excellent. Um he looks hungry for goals. He, every time he gets the ball he looks like he he wants to either lay off to someone else to score or look at trying to score. I think he will probably be quite important if we're going to go into sort of a a title race or a top four race even, to be honest, because I think that he brings something different to a game where maybe Harry Kane and Son and Bale can't unlock a defence. He'll bring something completely different. I think that contrary to two weeks ago where I wasn't that impressed with him, um, even though he was a good, he was a good part of the team. Um, I think he's really, really like sort of proved me wrong, and now I think that he will be really important into the later parts of the season, especially I think when people are fighting for points. Yeah, I like the look of him a lot. Really impressed. Yeah. Um, and I think we saw what you mentioned um, about him, like possibly playing with Kane against West Brom. Mm-hmm. That made all the difference. So yeah, yeah. I mean. It's a far cry from the days of NGA and uh, Janssen um, coming on oh, to play God, with God. Kane. <laughs> yeah. Oh, far God. Cry, far oh, Clinton. Cry oh, Clinton. <laughs> I, I, my abiding memory of Clinton NGA is him on his debut against City and I had so much hope for him. I think we were 4-1 up. Um, yeah. Comes on. He's rapid. in pace. He gets He's in rapid. behind. <laughs> Gets onto his left foot. You think he's gonna like finish, chip the goalkeeper or something? Just rolls it into the keeper, and then then I, I was just like, okay, you know, we got another one of these, another dud. And then I don't yeah. think Pochettino ever played him again. It, that's the way I remember it. Anyway, I don't know if, if that's actually the case, but he looked like he fully he fully looked like he played and looks like a headless chicken when he was at Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you mean do you mean looks wise as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did, yeah, he, he did. He did, man. He always and he always looked confused, like he's wide eyed, and it was just like, <laughs> please, just. Oh, wow. He he got into some decent positions, and then you were just like, oh no, oh no. Talking of him looking wide eyed, do you remember that video that got released? Oh yeah, um, and that's what I remember yeah. about him more than him playing. That says it really doesn't it um right on that note let's go to a little break and then let's talk about the seat game all right welcome back to part two um yeah it's time to talk about manchester uh tottenham hotspur two manchester city nil the same scoreline as when we last played them at the lane in february but so much has changed um that very much felt like a smash and grab almost like a miracle i remember bergvine uh, scoring that incredible goal. This this was different. Um, Glenn, do you want to go first? Oh, just, just a quick thing about Bergvine's goal. It produced one of the worst bits of commentary that I'd heard <laughs> from Jamie Carragher. I hated it. 
I hated it. It's like I don't remember oh, that. Birdvine, he'll be on the red wine tonight. And I'm just like, oh, shut I I up. am so glad that that's just not in my shut memory. Up. And now, yeah. and now you've cursed me. Yeah, oh, it's horrible. I, but anyway, I actually heard that again in the lead up to the City game where they did like the replay of the goal, and I was like, oh, I want I want to really pull my ears out. Yeah, I remember horrible. Martin. It's actually, horrible. I remember Martin Tyler saying Stevie Wonder, which was yeah, pretty Stevie bad Birdman. to be honest. Stevie Wonder, yeah. Stevie yeah. Wonder with a Wonder goal. Oh, shut up. oh terrible man! Because it's just so pre-rehearsed. Like you don't, yeah. you don't want to hear that really. Unless yeah. it's coming, unless it's coming from uh, from some of the greats, like when Manolas scored in a Champions League. What's That's a bit of pre-rehearsal. Who, who was that? Was that Clyde Tilsley who did that? No, no, no. It was... Um... Ian Drury? Ian yeah, Drury. Yeah. Fuck it. But Peter Drury. Peter Drury. Yeah. Not Ian Drury. The <laughs> <A> musician. <laughs> now, that's a bit of pre-rehearsed good God, God-like commentary. But the rest can get in the bin. Anyways, yeah. back to what Glenn was saying. Yeah, I just think... I think actually it's been looked at the wrong way after the game. I think everyone's been saying, oh, um, Spurs only had whatever it was, 20% possession. I don't care whatever it was. They 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 were resolute in defence. Um, they, <clears throat> they kind of were lucky to win. They rode their luck. I think scoring early made the game how it was. We scored early and we looked like scoring again straight afterwards. Like the, the first 20 minutes, I think we were by far the better team. We were definitely opening them up a lot better than they were opening us up. I think the fact that we scored so early um, kind of changed what we needed to do to win. Um, that sounds so simple and like Neanderthal-like, but it just it meant that we had had to defend to win. We had to, and we defended perfectly, almost six at the back at times, but. They didn't really cut us open that often. They had a lot of shots, but I didn't really remember thinking, oh, they're definitely going to score here. Like mm. maybe, maybe when they scored the handball, where, mm. where it got ruled out, I thought that they were going to score there. And then when De Bruyne kicked it into oh, Jesus' yeah. back, who was offside, they were the two times that I thought they were actually going to score. And then other than that, I, I, I don't really remember being that worried. Yeah, I agree. I think it was really different in complexion to like our recent games with City where we've won, but it's felt like you're relying on City to waste chances, which they do. That's why I yeah. was confident that we would beat them going into this because I, f- I really think it's a fatal flaw yeah. of this Pep Guardiola City side because especially I used to think... Especially not playing, especially. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. used to think, it, it... oh, they can miss chances because they create so many and then... It, it becomes a pattern where they're missing like eight great chances yeah. a game and you're like, but something's clearly not right here. Like they should be finishing these. Yeah. Um, that's why I was confident we beat them because I don't think they're as good as what they used to be. And yeah, with Jesus up front, I'm sorry, he hasn't really delivered on the, on the potential. And mm-hmm. any talk, I, I, I don't get too into it, but any talk on like Kevin De Bruyne afterwards was saying, I don't even know the handball law anymore. Mate, Jesus has jumped like a starfish, <laughs> controlled that yeah, with his yeah, control side of his elbow. His arm out, yeah. straight yeah. Like, that's as blatant a penalty as yeah. you're ever... Uh, not penalty, sorry. As blatant uh, a handball as you're ever going to see. Yeah. So, ridiculous, ridiculous. Um, I think if you look at the stats after the game, 
it doesn't you would think that it's a similar sort of game to the last few times where we've sort of smashed and grabbed against City but I don't I think I think it really doesn't do Spurs justice um, the way that we limited their cutting edge opportunities I want to quickly touch on Alderweireld with that tackle which was absolutely unbelievable um, mm. in the lead up to De Bruyne kicking the ball into Jesus's back but that, that's I think that my main point was that um, the stats don't really tell the tale of the game, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I think that's that's what I, I wanted to say there. Yeah, and it, think, it, no. go on, Eddie. Go on. Yeah, sorry. Um, I think that uh, the the <laughs> I think the fallacy that a lot of um, potentially I don't want to say I don't want to say uneducated football fans. Um, but I, you're going to say it. <laughs> I, I do because a lot of, a lot of people jumped onto social media and said, um, oh, like, it, you know, this is park to bust football. This is uh, th- like, this is like anti-football. And I'm just thinking, and you know what? My, my dad was so, he got under my skin after that game. Because he, obviously he's a city uh, city fan, he got under my skin during and after the game because he kept saying that he hates when um, his city lose to a team that defends for ninety minutes. Because and 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 the reason I said uh, and and the, the 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 kind of retort I came with um, to 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 that statement is that of course you hate it. It's because you can't say that you got. You got beaten by the better. You you can't say you got beaten by a team that played better football than you. You got beat, and 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 the fact is, it's not that we played better football than it. it we did play better football than them. The, the reason I say this is because football isn't only played one way, and football, at its most basic, most fundamental level, football is about how you approach a game. City approached every game the exact same way. They fancy themselves to be the better footballing side on the ball, in the middle of the park and in the final third. Not even in the in defence because they will give up opportunities no matter who they're playing. It's about them being better at football than you and 90% of the time they are. So they'll beat people based on the fact that they'll play better football than them. And that's their plan A. When you come up against a team like that, and City are very reminiscent of the Barcelona team that Pep um, obviously uh, managed, and the Bayern team that Pep managed, um, and the Spain team that won the, the the World Cup and the European Cup, their their style of football is wearing the opposition down. So, in order to beat a team like City, you have to be resolute, which we were. You have to be pragmatic which you were we were and you have to be clinical which we definitely were and I think if that's the game plan and you execute it perfectly then in my opinion you're playing you're playing better football than your opposition because you've you've come in with a game plan this isn't a smash and grab because because we've come in with a very specific game plan you look at where Harry Kane's uh, uh um average position was it was behind a front two of Bergwijn and Son that's that's something that you work on 
they don't just naturally fall into that position. Son and Bergwijn don't naturally go and play as a front two. That's something you work on. When you look at um, uh, the defensive line and you look at the cover that Sissoko is putting in on the right-hand side and the cover that that Hojbjerg is putting on the left-hand side, and you look at the... Sometimes it does fall into a back six. But when you're covering every single avenue of entrance to to our box, that's worked on. That's a game plan. So... I, I was sick and bored to tears of people saying that, that it was an anti-football um, performance when actually it's the purest form of football. When you have a game plan and there's more than one way of playing football and we executed our game plan perfectly. A 2-0 result, not even 2-1 or 3-1, a 2-0 result is the perfect execution of Jose's game plan. Let's talk about um, players that played well then. Um, Glenn, you've already mentioned Alderweireld. I thought he was really good. Um I think the whole team, uh, no one was a weak link, man. Everyone was really good. That's one of the reasons why, even though I thought Kane was brilliant, I feel like he's brilliant almost every week. He's been brilliant every game this season. Um, I felt the praise for Kane, though. Like, yeah, he was brilliant, but I don't know. Like, people were acting like they've just discovered Harry Kane. Um, (laughs) I think Gary Neville said this is Harry Kane's best performance in a, in a Tottenham Hotspur shirt. And yet, he fought hard. Um, he did everything Jose wanted him to do to a tee. Was it the best performance of the season? I'm not sure. I, I think it was probably better against right. Southampton, better so, yeah. against West Ham even. Um, some of the passes he played against West Ham were unbelievable, um, obviously, in the good period of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, Man United he was unplayable. Here he yeah. he worked hard and he was brilliant, but I must say, like I, I don't know, like I hope this doesn't sound like I'm digging out Kane because I'm not. I'm saying he played really well, but um, he, I don't know. Just maybe it was like the Sky Sports hype machine because I feel like he, I feel like the whole team were great. I feel like Hoybier in particular. If I was going to give a man in the match for me, I think it would go to Hoybier because I just feel like he he was brilliant in just breaking up play. Just being a nuisance, Sissoko as well on the right of that mid of that midfield. Didn't expect him to be having this perhaps his his third lease of life at Tottenham Hotspur because it's unbelievable. He's just I I didn't think like when we were going into the season, people were saying I want to see Hoybier, Lo Celso, and um uh, and Dombele. No one considered that Sissoko is going to make himself undroppable in that midfield three. Aria mm. as well, fantastic. Um. Yeah, Glenn. Glenn's making a so-so. Fate. Well, I, 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 thought he, I thought he played really well. I, I just, yeah, I, 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 there was just nothing wrong with his performance. In, pushing the pro RIA agenda a bit. Yeah, I, yeah, that, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I'm thinking. <laughs> uh, it, 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 well, why not, man? He's been better than Doherty this season. No, I, 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 I think they've been about the same. I, I don't, I don't oh, think. Oh no, no, I can't I agree with that at all. I don't think there's been a standout performance from either of the two where I could say I don't think and he's coming with a receipt he's coming with Man United me and Eddie he wasn't that good against Man United he he played he played against a team who were playing no striker in the second half (laughs) 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 he played well though he did did play well yeah he he played okay but it wasn't a standout performance is what I'm trying to say me and Eddie are chief executives of the REA agenda 
Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. I agree, but I, I just think, <laughs> think that I, I just think that I, okay, he's been maybe slightly better in the games that he's played, but there's not been a game where you have to say that that is my right back. He cannot be dropped. You, I know. I, I agree. Aurier. Okay, in that in that aspect, I agree. I think I I, I personally don't think whether Do- Doherty starts or Aurier starts. I'm not thinking. The other one yeah. should definitely be started. Yeah, no, I'm the same actually. Exactly. But, but with with, I mean. with Reggion, I mean. you think he's better. Yeah. He's oh, a starting left back yeah. and he deserves to start every game that he's fit. I didn't even mention yeah. Reg, but he was amazing. He, he was unbelievable. I, I, I was actually going to say so you were focusing on the wrong man, side, Cosmo. Yeah, he's lovely. I love it. He's so good. <laughs> he is Brilliant. so good. I think no. um I think my um I think my personally Again, and Dombele in the first half was like yeah. just a different kind of football. Like we, we we say it we say it in the group chat every week. His his style has no father. Yeah, you know I mean? like he he has just this unique way of moving the ball and his body um, yeah. in a way that no, I've never seen any footballer play. Genuinely, not even the likes of Dembele because yeah. Dembele uh, he shifted that like with Dembele, unlike Dombele. Dembele was so predictable and you couldn't yeah, stop exactly. it. Exactly. It could be explained. Yeah. There was a blueprint for it. Yeah. There's no blueprint yeah. print for yeah. Dombele. Nah, oh. and Dombele, you, you have no idea what he's gonna he knows what he's what he's gonna do. And that's the difference between a world class player and a player that has a, a couple good games at a season. He knows exactly what he's gonna do in his mind. It's just that no one else does. And the way he I executes think, yeah. it is is he, he does this amazing thing where the ball's coming towards him and then you think he's given the other player too much time to get in and nick the ball and he'll just stand in front of the ball, turn away, he's gone. Yeah. He's gone yeah. before you even notice he's gone and he's picking a pass. Yeah, and that pass for Son, unbelievable. And I read something quite interesting about um, Ndombele. Apparently, people have been trying to come up with, with the, the reason why there's no uh, father to his style. Apparently he got like dropped by academy teams between yeah. the ages of like sixteen and eighteen. So he was just playing like a bunch of street football, which kind of kind of shows the way he plays. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't been way... coached by like when I say he hasn't been coached. Of course he's been coached. Of course he's he's a world class player. But I mean, in some of his key developmental moments as as a footballer, um, he hasn't had anything any of that sheer creativity coached out of him. I think that's yeah. probably what I'm trying to say. I think also, it. I was going to say that if he'd have played the full 90 minutes <clears throat> or had been able to play the full 90 minutes, because by this, by when he was taken off, I did think he was a bit out on his legs. Leggy, like, yeah. Yeah, I think, but in the 60 minutes he did play, what went under the radar was exactly what Hoybier was doing as well. He was doing these little fouls and winning the ball and just being an absolute nuisance for their I think it was their CDM I think it was yeah, Rodri I, Rodri had the worst game of the season he uh, caused him absolute nightmares and it was just because he was so tenacious something that not a word that I've used ever before about Ndombele but he was so it was like a mission that he'd been sent to Rodri's dreams and been there to like ha- haunt him. like Freddy like, Krueger. Yeah, he, he's, been, he's been sent there by Mourinho. Just I was to thinking Inception. Yeah, he's, he's been put in his brain just, 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 to, just to absolutely terrorise him. And that's exactly what he did. And he did, 
He did it over and over again. No time on the ball whatsoever. Because that, that, that's why they build their attacks. They either build it from the keeper or they build it from their CDM. They never build it from the centre-backs. Yeah. They, like, And it was just absolute like agony to watch this guy just get absolutely molested by Ndombele all game. <laughs> <laughs> like, you watch the game and City, what they do really well is whenever they have the ball, um, Rodri drops a bit. It's similar to what Dyer used to do um, when um, he was playing at CDM and we had Walker and Rose. But the way City do it is so crazy. Um, the fullbacks move like uh, centre midfielders. So the defensive midfielder would drop, and then the, and then there's a there's a there's an avenue between the 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 striker, the midfielder, and the left winger. And Carl Walker is brilliant at City when he does that, when he's playing on that inside, or they'll switch it all the way out to Mares or all the way out to Sterling. And then the fullbacks will either underlap or overlap. And for some reason that destroys a lot of teams because De Bruyne as a central midfielder is playing so high up. He's playing on the edge of, of the opposition box. And it's the same with Bernardo Silva, even Gundogan. Um, it's a very, very weird style of play, but he employed it at, um, at Bayern Munich as well. It's not like this is unprecedented with Philip Lahm, who eventually moved into central midfield with Kimmich, who, who he started out as a right back, moved into central midfield and now he's back out as a right back. And then he went back into central midfield this season. I think it's, it, it, he loves ball playing uh, fullbacks. And, you know, when Carl Walker moved over to City, that's not one of his strong suits. You wouldn't say his ball playing um, uh, um, credentials were very high, but Pep moulded him into that. And it's the same reason why they play, they're able to play Cancelo on, on the left-hand side, because he's so good on the ball um, that when they're dominating the football um, and, but, and they're finding gaps, it, it hurts um, uh, teams because they don't, they're not, they're not expecting an extra body coming from the fullback into midfield. Um, but, City had no space, no time to build up that ball from Rodri because Kane was pressing, because Ndombele was pressing, because our full, because our because of our um, our wingers being so narrow, um, it made it impossible for them to build the way they usually do. And, and players like um, Bernardo Silva on the periphery of the game for I didn't know he was I, on the pitch for seventy pitch. plus minutes. Yeah, uh, and. and De Bruyne, Harvey had a sniff apart from a shot that that Jesus t- um, that Jesus inadvertently blocked. It's crazy to think that a team that was it's the same group of players, and it's not like they've aged uh, particularly. It's the same group of players that are not finding the the level of success in their passing play that they have done before. But we were just fantastic. We were fantastic that day. Yeah, um, I think Glenn also wants to mention his praise of Eric Dyer. Because he's been telling us, he's been telling us been since telling last you. year. I've been telling you, um, Eric Dyer was the answer. We didn't want to hear he it. He is, he is the answer. So when, when inevitably, Adverald might have to leave, um, I don't see any other name on the team sheet first in that role than Eric Dyer. It, it's as simple as that. Even when Adverald's here, I think, I think the first named centre back on our team sheet if we're playing in a big game, it has to be Eric Dyer. And 
he said it after the game, actually, um, in his interview. He said in previous seasons, he felt like the games against City would be lost on concentration. And he, and he felt to blame for that a few times. And he just said for 100 odd minutes, because obviously there was a lot of better time in the game, um, he felt like he was completely concentrated, completely focused. He was like 100% on his job. And I think that that showed because he was, again, unbelievable. I don't think he made a single mistake all game. I don't, I don't think there was a single positional error. I don't think there was a single time where he got rolled by Jesus, who's very good at rolling players. Mm. <clears throat> I don't think he lost the ball very often, maybe once or twice. But I just... Honestly, he's been absolutely phenomenal for us um, since, I think, since the restart of last season, where it was where he started showing signs of it. And now it's just, I think it's more clear to see him. I think it's really gone under the radar with players like Kane, Son, Hoybier, and Dombele gathering a lot of praise. And another one who's oh, really? gone under, under the radar is uh, Hugo Lloris. Oh yeah, oh, Hugo oh, Lloris, yeah. yeah, magnificent. Only had only had to make maybe three saves all game, but they were important saves to make. And when 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 you are not that busy as a keeper is when you're most vulnerable. So crazy again, when he was busy on, against City, crazy to me. Yeah, he, he wasn't that busy. He made he made like some like half saves where he had to catch the ball, mm-hmm. but like actual saves that you may see other keepers not making you probably made two and again yeah the late header do you you know what we we actually take Lloris for granted because I never even like when I think of the lineup I don't even think of the goalkeeper as a position Mm. because that place is is so Lloris's and to be fair I mean he he has had sort of rough patches i've never i've personally i've never lost belief in him there was an outrageous agenda to start playing gazaniga ahead of him last year um but he just absolutely smashed that up um he's been amazing since he came back for jose in particular um just pretty much just the perfect goalkeeper like i I almost don't want to curse it because you know spursy and whatever but but i'm gonna say he's perfect goalkeeper man perfect doesn't put a foot wrong um i think in the past if you think back to the young the younger not yeah i mean we've had him for ages we've had him since he was quite young the young larice the problems were distribution always an issue and then he used to have these moments where he would just get a rush of blood to the head um man was sprinting yeah, out all, all of a sudden he's 30 yards out from his goal um drug moments the drug moments yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> Eden Jacko is just just slotting the ball into an empty net from like forty yards. Oh, like Loic Remy, Negredo, like, like about Loic Remy about four times. Oh, I, Remy used to love it. <laughs> used to just round Larice and just smile at him as he rounded him. <laughs> <laughs> what a, what a cursed image, man. Oh, honestly, yeah. But I think now that we don't pass the ball out from the back. No, we do. That's that's a stretch. But where we don't put him under pressure by forcing him <clears throat> yeah, to play yeah, out yeah. from the back, he's allowed to go long to Kane now. I think under Mourinho, that's been quite an obvious change compared to Pochettino. Pochettino was adamant. You do, you do not 
kick the ball long unless it's like 90 minutes left and we've got Lorente up front against Ajax. Like, it's like it was unheard of for Lloris to be playing a long ball into a striker. But now he's allowed to do that. It takes so much pressure off him. And I just think, like, obviously it's like captain hindsight a little bit, but I mean, it was just a bit dogmatic to to force Lloris to do that. There was no need, really. I, I know the purists will say, oh, yeah, you need to pass it out from the back. But, like, Harry Kane's so good in the air. Why can't you hit him on, with a long ball? Like, uh, yeah. We had a lot. I don't know. I think we had, um, we definitely had a DNA under Poch. I think that you don't want to, you don't want to in- encourage the keeper to kick it long and potentially lose part of that DNA. Um, I suppose so. But I think, um, I also think along with the fact that he's been able to kick longer, I think his distribution has improved still. I don't, yeah. I can't remember the last time he, he's kicked it straight out. Uh, like, because, Maybe he kicked it out against you, but that's uh, but that's neither here nor there. Because, and I think, well, that's because it's an ambitious pass to a fullback. I think those are difficult. Those are the most difficult ones. Um, I think his distribution going long has improved. I think um, because it's less about keeping the ball and more about putting it in a decent area. It's up to the strikers, the fullbacks, the midfielders to fight for the ball um, because. <sighs> The, the the issue with what we were doing before is that we were passing to the likes of Davies, Dyer, and Arie, who are players that are not good under pressure. Um, when when they've got a player on their back or they've got pressure coming in, they're not they're not good at that. Um, so we're playing. It's not like it's not like City where we've got players like sensational ball playing. Uh, def- mid, uh, defenders like Laporte or it's not like other teams who can play out from the back because uh, they've got good ball playing centre-backs or full-backs we were putting pre- pre- players under pre- Sissoko we were, we were putting players like that under pressure by passing it from the goalkeeper and that's going to cause your own problem so yeah it was very I do agree it was a very dogmatic approach to um, a style of play and it was to the detriment of Lloris but I think he's all-round goalkeeper, not just his distribution. I think he's all-round goal. He's so much more comfortable coming for corners, um, coming for free kicks. Uh, he's so much more commanding of his box. Um, I, I can't say for sure whether he speaks more or less because obviously we've been uh, we have had the opportunity to you know watch games about sound, uh, crap crowd sound now. So potentially. You know, he might have always been this vocal, but he is incredibly vocal. That's something I didn't know about him until until this period where there has been no crowd. So, Lloris, yeah, another player that's been... And the documentary really- as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. Makes me feel things, man. That, those team talks. Brilliant. Yeah, let's go, eh? Yeah? Let's go, eh? Fucking Ella. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, what a guy. Um, underrated, and we'll, we'll miss him a lot when he goes. And I just hope... I hope we can win the quadruple for him this season, you know. I've I've heard a lot of rumours that um, under the negotiations with uh, Young and Son, we're actually negotiating with Hugo Lloris as well to extend his contract. Yeah, I remember seeing that actually, yeah. Uh, I think it was actually, I don't want to misquote who it was by actually, but I I, I think it's a pretty reliable source. Yeah, I think it was the Telegraph, I think. Yeah, I think it was either that or the Athletic that I was looking at. Um, with um, just a, just a it was it was 
I think the one from the Athletic was more of like a in, in part of an article. Um, oh right, we're looking into um, re-signing him, but yeah, a really reliable sources that we're looking into um, re-signing him. I think that's definitely a great idea. I think even captain. if even if we look for a replacement whilst he's still at Spurs, he'd be a great, great, not just an option, but a great mentor to whoever mm, yeah. comes in to to take his position. Um, because yeah, he's just. I remember when obviously we he was appointed as um, uh, captain club captain, and it was to the bewilderment of probably everyone. Um, um, and obviously, things we've, we've been blessed with things like the documentary, which obviously highlight his leadership skills. Um, but we, no one thought that Lloris had it in him to be, um, you know, club captain. And, and then obviously with the stuff of the drink driving, and there were talks about it being stripped away from him. Again, there were questions: Why is he club captain? I think over this period, especially since Mourinho's come in. Mourinho's, I, I believe, Mourinho's looked at him and, and asked him, you know, for me, I want you to be a leader. I want you to lead by example. I want you to set the pace because goalkeepers can see the whole pitch. That's the that's the the blessing that they have. They might not be able to get to, to the referee as much, but they're able to see the whole pitch, the whole picture. And that's what, and, and if you've got a keeper who's your captain, who is vocal and who's a good leader, it's, it's, it's a really good tool because he's able to tell you how the game is. As a striker, your back's to most of the play. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why, you know, most, most, uh, most captains are defenders because um, uh, they're able to see most of the game. And weirdly enough, like, I do feel like, well, it, I feel like it came out with that clip of um, Maradona meeting the Spurs team back in 2018. Um, he was talking to <laughs> that clip was brilliant. Him talking to Kay and he's like, "Yeah, oh. go around the keeper." <laughs> yeah, he was like, "Put it to the back post, not the front post." Like these people, they watch you on the TV and then his eyes fucking dilate massively as he says it. <laughs> um, but he was speaking to Kane and Larice, and very much the vibe of that video was that they they lead as as a duo really. Um, I know Kane's officially the vice captain, but it probably works out that Kane is pretty much the on-field captain. Um, I know Lloris is obviously on the field, but I mean, he can't really communicate with the midfield and strikers that well. So, yeah, um, I feel like they are. They are like a duo. Um, yeah, let's let's come on to the Chelsea game. Um, Eddie, obviously... I mean, I feel like Spurs are just playing like a round robin with with your family almost. Like you're, yeah, yeah. Like so, you've just played City, who your dad supports, and then now we're playing Chelsea, your brother supports. So you're probably the best to to guide us in terms of a a, a preview on this. Um, yeah, I have to say, I was frightened when I saw Chelsea on match the day against Newcastle. Um, I mm. don't want to admit they're good because I I don't really like Lampard, but they're looking good. They're looking really yeah. good. I think um, I think two things uh, came out of that Newcastle game. I think the Newcastle game highlighted how poor Newcastle are as a general as a team in terms of their cohesion, um, in terms of their frailty. Um, it kind of frustrates me a bit more that we didn't punish them um, and get those three points. That's neither here or there at this point. We're there or thereabouts in the position where we want to be in the league. Um, I think. What Chelsea showed? There or thereabouts. We're first. No, I, I mean, I mean that can change in a week. 
you know yeah, I mean? we true, drop true, from true. first to fourth very quickly. Yeah. And I, I think, mean, we all um, know we should have four more points, really. Exactly, exactly. At the very least, and I think um, when you look at the when you look at the, um, the 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 game that they played on the weekend, the degree of control that they had over the game is what's really frightening. They didn't look for one second that they were under any pressure um, from that from that Newcastle front line, or even uh, under any pressure of. They played like how we played against Ludogorets in. Essentially, in the in the sense that that there was they had complete control of the game, um, and well, in my opinion, they should have scored more. Um, they weren't as clinical as they possibly could have been. But like us, they've got good options. I think if you look at the start of the season, you would think Tammy Abraham is not getting a whiff uh, in that front three, and he's actually played himself into that front three. He's been really, really good. Um, and he's, you know, he's an awkward striker. He's tall, but he's not slow. And he's gangly um, and he's good in the air. And I think that'll be a test. I think he will start against us. Um, uh, uh, he didn't start on, on in the Champions League game um, that they played on Tuesday. So that's a good indication of... And Ziyech didn't start and, and he'll probably start against us. They've got good creative players. I know Havertz hasn't kicked quite into gear and, and Werner doesn't look as sharp as... Um, he did for 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 Red Bull, um, but they've got options, and I think they've also got frailties that I think Spurs as a team are very very um, in a good position to exploit. Um, if you look at their centre back pairing, um, I know Zuma is very quick and strong, but the other side of that pairing is Thiago Silva, brilliant at reading the game but definitely something we can exploit with the likes of Son, Bergwijn, whoever ends up playing uh, on, on the weekend. Um, it's crazy to think that we, we would even know who's going to start that game. Um, it just speaks to the, the depth we have in the squad. Um, I think their right-back position um, is undecided. Azpilicueta or Rhys James. Um, I think Azpilicueta is fairly dependable. Rhys James likes to get forward a lot. I think defensively, he's easy to get at. And I think... Their midfield um, with Kante and Kovacic, I think is I think that's a posi- that's a midfield that personally I personally think that we can we can overpower and dominate with the likes of Sissoko and Dombele and Hoybier. It's whether that's the the position that Mourinho takes, whether he wants to employ the same tactics that we did against City, or whether you want to be more aggressive and pragmatic, uh, more aggressive and expansive against against Chelsea. Um, it'll be an interesting game. It'll be a very, very different game to the Capital One Cup uh, game. Mm. Sorry, the Carabao Cup game. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to look into, um, to, to see what comes out of it. Personally, a draw would be a good result so, going into the game. So. And, I, and, I, and if we come out with a point, I'd be happy. Yeah, I said before going into this tricky fixture run, Chelsea was the one that, that really worried me, to be honest. Um, just going off what you said about Azpilicueta and Reese James, I rate Reese James. Um, but if you were Lampard and you saw the Spurs left hand side of Son and uh, Regulon, surely you would go Azpilicueta. Just, just solidify it. Um, I mean, he played on Tuesday. I don't know whether that says anything because he, obviously he did James. James. I think he'll definitely play James to. For the pace, basically, yeah, um, to try and pin us back a bit as well. Play, play as as Bilicueta is just suicide. Like 
he's just going to get roasted. I know he's very dependable, very good at standing up attackers, but when I think Son's been doing more running in behind this year rather than staying out wide, which he was doing mm. a lot last year, which kind of worried me a bit. He's doing a lot of running behind. You can't have Azpilicueta turning against Son. That's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I'm kind of in really in like two completely opposite minds about the Chelsea game um, on the one hand the last five six games they've looked really sharp um, we very rarely get a result at Stamford Bridge um, there's also no blueprint of how to beat the way they're playing at the moment mm. they're controlling the game so well and they're not playing against the greatest teams um, <clears throat> the last kind of poor performance they had not even poor performance they drew 0-0 with Man United um, that was as much and, of a stalemate as it gets yeah it, 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 it was, was just a stalemate but yeah. the, mo- the most recent games they've played are let's, let's have a look Krasnodar Burnley Wren who had 10 men Sheffield have been terrible this year Newcastle and then Wren so like as much as they are on a good run of form um, they haven't had a really difficult challenge recently um, so I think we can get at them I'm just I'm, I'm just so I think that I think it's going to be a loss for Spurs um, I'm kind of a bit <clears throat> like in the mind that Werner is going to score against us because yeah. He always does. Um, I'm very worried about Werner as well, yeah. Um, Ziyech has been unbelievable recently. Um, Chilwell played absolutely excellent for them recently. Mm. He's been probably actually their best player mm-hmm. recently. Um, I just think, and their keepers, their keeper worries have kind of been sorted out with this Mendy geezer coming in. He looks very, very controlled in the air. Um, Solid. Yeah, very solid. Big hands. They, they, His hands they, they are played, huge. Yeah, they <laughs> played against teams that are really crossing the ball a lot, and I think that kind of suits him because he's very commanding, um, very tall, very sort of athletic, uh, very good at collecting crosses. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of a bit unsure think, about. No, game. we can't lose this man. Like we that can't. would put them in the driving seat for the we title. Can't, but this is, not this is not my... for the title. I know it's too early, but like we, we can't. Yeah, like Glenn, you're getting me down. That that. I know. The, I know, the talk I know. of like I've never considered like actually losing it. I'm worried about the game, but if we actually lose it, um, they're really in the I driving seat. I, I don't. I don't think it's that Compared bad to if us. we lose. I really don't think it's that bad if we lose. We're losing away against Chelsea who obviously are going to be a very good team this year with a lot of options, with a lot of depth. I think when it comes to January, February, they're going to be a very difficult team to beat. Mm. So losing against Chelsea isn't the worst thing in the world. I think it's the one game that I expected to lose in this run. I know that sounds absolutely awful. Um, Considering we've got Liverpool as well. Considering we're playing City and Liverpool, I wasn't that confident about the City game, but I was... I'm even less confident about the Chelsea game. I'm hoping that's a good omen, mm. but um, I'm, I'm not. I'm not too confident. They've had an extra two days rest. Um, the way the Champions League games fall on this time, they played on Tuesday. Yeah, but none of our players. We, yeah, we really played the rest of the team today. Um, to be fair, um, I just, I'm just, I'm hopeful. 
I'm hopeful, but uh, reserved. I think is the best word. I, I, I'm, I wouldn't be ups- I wouldn't be completely upset if we lost. Like, I wouldn't I be like distraught. If we the lost. only thing that we could do uh, as a mistake, in my opinion, is go to Stamford Bridge um, on the weekend and think that we can play expansively. Um, the reason for that is because they they've got to you know in terms of getting in behind us the likes of yeah. Werner um potentially Pulisic if he's fit um the likes of um Tammy Abraham who who who's very good in the air and also fairly quick um Reese James i think we'd be playing into their hands if we we go and try and and, and um you know try and, and beat them in terms of playing really expansively i think in <sighs> controlling the ball and allowing them to have it in areas which don't hurt us, similar to the way we played against City, will be where the game's won and lost, I think. Um, I think potent- <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny in a way because Alderweireld has been so incredibly solid for us um, this season. He's played our best. He's, he's been, he's been uh, alongside Dyer, has been our best centre-back pairing. Um, I think potentially that was probably a game where he might have got exposed if we played a, a higher line than we have done against City, um, because of the likes of because of the likes of Abraham Pulisic, Werner. Um, if we do end up playing Sanchez um, uh, and Dyer as a pairing, I think that will suit us because we do have that athletic ability, that um, the the ability to to get back in uh, into defensive positions. Um, but again, that's if we decide to play a little bit more expansively than we did against City, which I think we potentially could do. Um, it's not the same kind of game, definitely not. I don't think Chelsea are as good on the ball, so it, it remains to be seen what kind of game it is. I think I'll be really nervous. It, it, like the first half is going to be really, really important. Um, who sets the tone? How we play? If we, you know, if we decide to play deep like we did against City, I think there's a potential for us to get a to get a result, point or win. Um, if we want to play football, good football, um, play expansively, that's where the risk is for me. Mm. Right. Um, we've got a couple of listener questions um, that have come in. Um, yeah, I feel like we'll go through them quite quickly because. We're running late on time, late on to, into the night, actually. Um, this is a very late pod, to be fair. <laughs> we got Luda Goretz to thank for that one. Um, but the first question is from Louis D1, who is my cousin. So shout out to Louis. Um, he says, will we see Delhi feature at all against Chelsea? Look really sharp tonight and has a great record against them. I can't see it myself. Yeah, Glenn's no, already no. shaking his head. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, we're playing him to sell him. That's my opinion of him. Ooh. I think we're we're we're, play, we're playing him to sell him. Everton have been sniffing around recently, and I, w- I wouldn't care if he went for thirty mil. Thirty mil. So that, that's, yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my real markdown on what he was worth two seasons ago. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I've uh, not not been impressed. Massively. I think um, he played all right today, but no, I think he played better than all right. But I yeah, think, I think it's yeah, very good today, actually. I think I think my position on Delhi is that like he's going to need to play a couple more games mm. at this level, uh, or potentially even better. Um, to, to, the, the tonight. That's what I'm saying. Honest, I, I mean, like, I, I mean, when I'm when I mean at this level, I mean his performance, not the team that we're playing against. Like he has to play this type of um, 
have this type of game for at least three or four times before he's knocking on the door. We've got too many options um, just ready to go uh, for for um, attacking for for our attacking end for him to be um, thinking that this this performance alone is going to get him in the match day squad. You, you think of the match day squad that just went by Lacelso. Um, just got back into the matchday squad. Bergvine wasn't in the last matchday squad before then. He got back into it now. Lamella wasn't in it. Um, and if you look at the players that are being left out compa- compared to the the you know compared to Deli Ali, you'd rather have them in the matchday squad than Ali at the moment. So no, I very much doubt he'll even be in the twenty three man squads or or in the in on the bench on the weekend. Same actually. Yeah, I agree. Um the next question is from Aaron Kay, friend of the pod, guest of the pod as well. Um, he says, is there going to be an advantage for the clubs who are allowed to have 2,000 fans back in their ground? Um, I'm not sure if that includes, that does include us, right? I know Arsenal yeah. are going to be first to have play, uh, fans in their ground. Um, I don't know. I, I can't even imagine what 2,000 fans, like the, what kind of noise that's going to make. Um, well, more than none. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think ha- having heard on some occasions the noise from our bench, which is probably what less than a hundred people, like that. Well, well probably less, less than, than thirty, people. more like. Yeah, like like having heard the noise, I think two thousand fans could really, depending on how they're situated around the stadium, <laughs> God yeah. knows how that's going to work. Um, yeah, I think I think it could definitely make a difference, especially in a big game against a team like the North, in the in the North London derby. You know, like hmm. uh, I think I think it could make a massive difference. I don't think there's any away fans allowed at all. Yeah. Um, but I, I think in the North London North London derby, I think it it could play a decent sized role in just creating an atmosphere, just something a bit. Something a bit different. I don't know. Just an, an extra sort of leg up. Mm. Eddie, Especially with you... no opposition fans. Yeah, yeah. I think um I think having um fans in the in the ground is personally just great to see. Um I I'm a firm believer personally and I and I've and I've been very I think I've been very consistent in my position about coronavirus on the pod. Um, about the severity of the issue and how we have to take every precaution to make sure that as less people as possible are being infected, which is, I'm not going to get into the Christmas thing. I have my personal views on that um, and a tiering system, whatever. Um, in just terms of footballing, uh, in terms of footballing uh, outcome, I think it'll be really, really positive for the for the home team um, to get fans back in the, um, in the, in the stadium because moments like Bell scoring moments like the likes of um, Scarlett and, uh, and White getting on the pitch, those moments are boosted when fans give you that reception. And I think, and obviously scoring goals, that's, you know, you share that joy with the fans. Um, But I think having fans in the, it makes the game, the game doesn't exist without fans. The, you know the TV money, the shirt sales, the and then obviously match day revenue. Clubs don't exist without fans, and we saw, you know, the we saw the fallout in the football league 
where there was no fans. It nearly destroyed so many teams. Um, and, and I think fans being allowed back into stadium for morale is really great for the, for the club and also just for the players, just to share those emotions with, with the fans. Because um, I do believe that, you know, even though football has become a mercenary sport of late, um, I still think there's a connection between the players and the fans that can't, can't be understated. True, true. Um, right, we've, th- this has been a long pod, I think. So I think this is a good place to end it. Um, but yeah, it's been a pleasure to record, guys. Um, thanks for joining me, Eddie. Yep, no worries. And thanks for joining me, Glenn. Cheers, guys. Um, if you've made it this far, uh, follow us on our socials at N17 Pod um, on pretty much all social media. And also uh, leave us a five star review on Spotify and not Spotify, bloody hell. Apple Podcasts. It's late, it's late, Cosmo. It's fine. It's late. late. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, that will really help us uh, grow the podcast. All right. Cheers.